Hello and welcome, it's me, Rodney Cyrus. Uh, probably had a lot more to, you probably heard a lot more than you were meant to. Uh, this is On and Off the Pitch, a, a sporting podcast. I'm with the one and only uh, Red Devil Weekly, aka Kieran. He's joining me today to talk about all things, not just Manchester United, but football as well, and a little bit beyond. Uh, Kieran, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you for having me on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, good, good, good. It's been it's been such a long time. I should, you know, what, what have you been up to? Well, 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 uh, well. What haven't I been up to? It's a question. Um, no, no. I've uh, obviously, um, you know, started uni, um, you know, just after the summer, and that's that's going quite well doing sports journalism. So, you know, you never know. Hopefully, this is a you sit on the new face of something. I don't know in the future. Hopefully, yes, <laughs> the new, something. The new, the new um, face of Revlon. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? But yeah, yeah that that's that's been going alright, you know. And uh, yeah, just been busy with that, you know. Still trying to keep up with uploads on my own channel. But yeah, it has been a long time. But um, you know, I'm I'm glad to be back. Glad to be back. That's good. And you know what? I had to, I've got to catch up with the Mr. Jack Wall. Uh, I know that he's uh, yeah, out, cool. out there somewhere, <laughs> ready yeah. to get involved yeah. again. And we have uh, so much to talk about. Well, you know, obviously this is, I've called this episode the Sunday Football Manager. I'm the manager, you're the assistant coach. We're going to go through and talk about a number of things. Obviously, the weekend results, big games today, uh, result in, involving Manchester United and, and Manchester City. Obviously, there's another team that played today in, in terms of Everton and uh, that other team, Chelsea, who Manchester United are, are currently chasing. But uh, the other mm. results that took place uh, earlier in the weekend, and there's a, a number of other things that have really kind of pricked my my thoughts process that I want to kind of get into in terms of managers criticizing players or commenting on a player's poor performance. Um, but and that in itself is quite a juicy, juicy topic to get into. Uh, so it will be really interesting to see how that kind of pans out for for um us definitely as 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 commentators but for other individuals as well because I, I might have a particular take on it let's get straight into the big game today uh, let's get that one out of the way manchester the manchester derby manchester united versus manchester city you know from looking at the lineup i would say that manchester united they had a very defensive lineup i'll be honest with you it was heavy mm. heavy in defense and let's not let's not make any bones about it but uh, it's a defensive lineup with a very attacking mindset. You know, very attacking mindset. Were you surprised at the way that Manchester United performed in the game? And were you surprised at the end result? Um, well, I, I was slightly surprised um, at the end result. I think, um, you know, going into a game against Man City, um, you know, really for the, for the past kind of, you know, five or six seasons, I've never been confident. Um, and, even though City, you know, obviously they've they've lost the title, they've lost a bit of motivation in the league. Um, you know, I still thought, you know, they're causing a lot of problems at Old Trafford today. Um, and the way we obviously start with five at the back, I, I did kind of expect that from Solskjaer that we'd go a bit more defensively. Even though he said in, in a lot of his pre-match interviews that we we're going to try and you know take the game to Man City, which in periods we did, but um, especially in that second half, we were, um, you know, we were kind of camped in our own half and mostly try and look for the counter-attack and that did work a lot of the time and um, it, it, it takes a bit of luck because you have to hope that Man City don't you know, open you up and 
you know, they did have a few, you know, good chances to score today. And if they had gone in and, you know, it, it would have been a totally different story. But of course, you know, football is about, you know, small margins. But um, obviously just, you know, really happy with the 2-0 win, of course. Um, it's, you know, in terms of top four races, it's a big result as well, keeping us three points, um, you know, behind Chelsea. Um, but yeah, I was, I was, I was surprised in some ways by the way we played. I thought, you know, defensively, we have been, you know, all right, all, all right this season. Um, but I didn't think we were going to keep a clean sheet today, especially with the rumours that Maguire had injury problems and um, and all that. And I, I just thought Man City were going to be, you know, too good for us. That front line was just going to be able to open us up. But, you know, luckily enough, we kept the clean sheet. Um, and Bruno Fernandes as well, once again, you know, had a, had a very decent game. Um, you know, dictated the play when he got the ball. Um, Martial scored his goal as well, which yeah. you know he's, he's, he seems to be on a on a decent run of form. But um, you know, McTominay as well getting that second goal, just you know the icing on the cake, really. Um, but yeah, I was I was surprised. I didn't think coming into this game we were going to win two nil. Um, I thought it was going to be a very very close game. I did have a have a suspicion that we were going to be up for it, um, and we we're going to really give a good game to City today. I didn't think we were going to get you know hammered, but I thought we were really going to take it to him, but I, I didn't think we were going to we we're going to win like that. And uh, you know, props props where it's due to Solskjaer. You know, in in he did, did get um he did seem like his tactics worked today. And even though you know you need a bit of luck as a manager, especially against the likes of Man City, um you know you, you know credit where credit's due. And uh, yeah, a big win. Yeah, you know, um, I have to be honest. You know, looking at the lineup at the beginning, I was thinking it's very defensive, but obviously. This team has performed very well against teams that they should really, you know, beat, but they haven't in the sense. Uh, they, they've done really well against Man City. And I thought, could it be another one of those days where they, they, they've got their number? And I believe this season is definitely the case for Ole. He's got Pep's number in terms of the style of play that City cannot cope with. Uh, but the, you have to bear in mind as well from a City point of view, they have players missing. Um, really surprised um, Kyle Walker wasn't playing, you know, for, for them. It was really strange not to be in included. Mendy on the bench obviously gives them a different option going forward. You know, they're missing Laporte in, in the centre of their, their defence. And therefore, you know, when you have a key individual such as him missing, a leader, commanding on the ball, you know, very good presence in in terms of the defensive lineup and how he, the Bournemouth move forward quickly into their midfield and, and their forward line. You know, you can see that they had um, their own deficiencies to deal with, but you would expect them to kind of cause a problem going forward. And you know, I have to say that you know, the Manchester United defensive lineup did very very well. Um, contained um, Raheem Sterling, and and I have to be honest with you. Uh, the, Looking at Armand Bissaka, we say he's a great defender and he loves those individual kind of challenges where the winger's coming at him and he hasn't necessarily lost a, 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 a challenge or a misplaced a tackle or anything like that. And he's, he's really good. From an England point of view, Gareth Southgate will be worried that Sterling is not is, is misfiring. He's not scoring mm. goals. Harry Kane is injured. Um I'm not sure about Jaden Sancho because you can't expect too too much from him because of his young age. Deli Ali looks lost, you know. So you know, on, on the bigger scale, you're looking at on those issues. But in terms of Manchester United, they did very very well. Um, Bruno Fernandez, he for me has added 
the necessary spark in, in, the, in the team, not even in the midfield, in the team uh, that everyone wants to kind of play for, play with, link up, play with, and he's, he wants the ball at all times. He does look very good on the ball, composed. He isn't afraid to shoot, isn't, a, isn't afraid to dig in and defend uh, with his teammates. It's not an issue. You know, there isn't any drama if he has to run around and do that extra bit of work. There's no agenda about, you know, it's not his position. You know, he may play in the withdrawal number 10 role, but he still drops back and defends. So for, for Oli, he has all of the parts in this, this team that are kind of working together as one and doing everything that they possibly can to get the three points every single game. Today's result was fantastic. It was definitely a required result because of the result that Chelsea had, and we could talk a little bit about that. But from a Manchester United point of view, it puts them still in the hunt. Now, between 4th, 5th, 6th and 7th, teams are still tight. Manchester United really did do well mm. in terms of the other results that didn't go their way today. So in terms of their, when I say their, the, the other team's way, so from a Manchester United point of view, an excellent result against a very good Manchester City team, despite their deficiencies. Um, and, and it kind of bodes well for the rest of the season and what's left of the campaign. The difficulty is that some, some can get carried away. It could be also that the teams that Manchester United are facing, they've, this is the tail end of their slump and they will, you know, switch back in terms of what they need to do they will revisit their original styles of play and then go back to the drawing board because it's that running where people start to change their their mode their style and how they approach things because it, they would have seen for the rest of the season as it stood it hasn't worked so um, as much as i'm you know mm. doing somersaults in my mind for manchester united it's not necessarily going to be something that i'm going to run around with a flag and say this is it, you know. There's, there's, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, who was your standout player for Manchester United today, apart from Bruno Fernandes? Obviously, if there was anyone other than him. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, I think uh, you know I have to give props as well to Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I thought actually he was, he was very good today. Um, obviously, you know he was one of the main players. Um, you know who helped to contain Raheem Sterling, even though. He, you know, he, he seemed a bit off the pace today anyway, but still, Wan-Bissaka, I thought, you know, really good. And, you know, the whole defensive line today actually played well. Luke Shaw has been playing well, quite, you know, been well, playing well recently. Um, and actually, I thought he had a decent game um, at left back. Um, I thought I thought Fred was 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 decent as well once again. Um, I think, you know, the way he kind of broke broke up the, the play in the midfield a few times. And actually, I thought Matic didn't have a bad game. And I really didn't think, you know, uh, six months ago, I'd be saying that Matic would be having a good game. I mean, let alone a game for Manchester United. I thought that Matic was kind of finished as a Manchester United player. But uh, obviously, with the injuries that um, you know we've had this season, we've had to chop and change. And actually, since uh, Matic has come back into the side, he's he's not been too bad. He's actually um, you know done well. Um, I don't think he's a player that we're going to have. Um, we're we're going to see in the team for for too too much longer. I don't think he's going to be in that midfield, um, or at least starting in that midfield come um, next season, although you never know with Manchester United. Um, but I think, you know, as I said, honourable mentions probably to, to Wan-Bissaka and, and um, also also Matic and Fred for me. If I had to pick one out of those three, um, I'd probably go for Wan-Bissaka, but 
Uh, again, with a performance like it was today, there are a lot of honourable mentions around the pitch. Yeah, you know, it's it's you mentioned Matic, who you know was basically left out of the the, the squad for a huge period by Ole because he, he he wasn't part of his plans. Injuries change your the manager's point of view. He comes back in, he doesn't moan, he doesn't have a tantrum, he gets on with the job, and you know his performance today was no different than Fred's or. Uh, Bruno Fernandes or um, Luke Shaw or, or Williams everyone really did a very mm. very good job today and um, credit to tr credit to the players credit to, to, to Anthony Martial who took his goal very well Paul I have to say from the keeper's point of view you know just the bar of mm, chocolate yeah. hands you know in terms of stopping <laughs> that should never have gone in to be fair but a very cute free kick mm, in no. terms of where it was taken chipped over the back line and uh, um, as for Manchester City the, the goalkeeping errors that happened today I'm, I'm hope that they they will look back at that and think that can never happen again they'll probably write this off and say you know that was a blip they are not going to win the league but the, the, the big question the big kind of obelisk that stands in front of Manchester United fans as much as this victory means so much it now means that Liverpool only need two more games to win the league, of course, <laughs> and and not and not um, and not the nine, not 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 the three. So Liverpool fans will be jumping around thinking, "Thank you very much, Manchester United. You've helped us no end, and <laughs> uh, you've taken the pressure off us. We can now focus on our Champions League game in the week with slight, with a little bit more vigor." And, uh, and go into it feeling that, you know, they can afford to lose a game in the league because Manchester City haven't necessarily um, delivered from their end. But, you know, interesting, interesting. I want to talk a little bit about the rest of the, the, the league as it is, uh, the rest of the results. Fantastic result for Chelsea. I mean, a lot, of, a lot has been said about uh, Chelsea and Frank Lampard and him making mistakes and... You know, him not necessarily playing strikers that were there. You know, you only have to look at Giroud, who's been, again, like Matic, in the doldrums, hidden in the cupboard. You know, January transfer mm. window, everyone says that he's on his way out. And then all of a sudden, they have a striker who is able to hold the ball up, you know, and we bring other players into into the game and, and cause real problems for the opposition. Um, Chelsea probably will get top four. I don't know if Man United will get top four. Yeah, I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be very, very tight. Obviously, you know, it's still three points in it. And um, again, we still have to go away to Spurs. And uh, I'm not sure what Chelsea's fixtures are. But actually, you know, the way the way that, you know, Chelsea played today, uh, even though I thought Everton, you know, weren't at the races really. But I thought the way that Chelsea played today, you know, was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, the youth they've got in their squad as well. I mean, obviously the main story, uh, Billy Gilmore, of course. Um, you know, he, I watched the game and he, he was he was superb. I, I think what I, what I you know, was really kind of impressed by with him was the, was the professionalism. You know, an 18-year-old kid coming into a, a Chelsea side which are, you know, going for that fourth place and under pressure from a lot of the teams um, behind. And, um, you know, for someone to come in like that under all that pressure and to perform like he is, 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 is so good for Chelsea. And, and obviously, you know, he's not English, he's Scottish, but so fantastic for Scotland as well. 
Um, but yeah, <laughs> I was about I was about to say he was English. Then I thought, you know, I'm just they, just have to check they, myself. They can do but, a Declan uh, Rice deal. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that might be the best thing for for England. Sign on the dotted line, Declan. Sign on the dotted line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but um, obviously, you know, four nil a resounding victory for Chelsea. They they were good today as much as Everton. Everton weren't great. And yeah, you speak about Giroud. Obviously, he's come back into the side, and you know, a seasoned Premier League striker with Arsenal. Of course, he he knows how to score goals. And um, obviously, he was you know he, he played you know second fiddle or even third fiddle in sometimes uh, in some cases um to you know the likes of Tammy Abraham and you know he's come back into the side and you know showed Frank Lampard what he's missing and you know he's he's been fantastic for them you know really good holding up the ball um but yeah a, a really good result for Chelsea obviously um and a, a result that turned out to be um you know even bigger than they first thought especially after there was the Man United result and um it's going to be very very tight for top 4 and I think I said yeah Chelsea definitely have an advantage right now. Um, they seem to be in really, really good form, and um, unless they get maybe you know a few more injuries, unless they get unfortunate, then I, I, I see them you know just about clinching onto that spot because uh, we don't seem to be able to take chances to, to regain top a uh, top um, well take points off Chelsea. I think it's been eight times this season Chelsea have dropped points, and eight times we've also dropped points after those games. So. You know, we've had those sort of opportunities. It's just about which team takes those opportunities. So it's going to be very, very tight. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see that both teams get a win before European football returns their games. Uh, so they go mm, into yeah. it with a bounce. But, you know, from, from a, a Chelsea point of view, um, young players coming through, obviously the young players are only playing because of the irregularities in their, you know, financial or should I say transfer business in terms of the acquisi acquisition of young players um, so that that's good for them but it's good to see you know young players getting uh, game time and you, whether or not they will go on and blossom and become established Premier League professionals would be great I've got to say one thing obviously and I forgot to mention it at the beginning so please forgive me it is International Women's Day um, I hope everyone's been doing something for International Women's Day or recognising the women that are doing something at International Women's Day or, or said thank you or hello or how are you to, to someone with regards to that. I did a little video. If you can check it out, that would be great. It's just about who are your inspirational women. I talk mainly about the people in my life and uh, give thanks for them, you know, as they are. Mum being number one. But... Uh, <laughs> Hundred um, percent. Obviously, uh, where am I going to get my dinner from? It's facts. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, of course, of course. Facts. It's Sunday. Where am I going to get my dinner from? There's no wimpy <laughs> near me. Um, very quick comment, and I see it's coming, and it's from Peter. And thanks for joining in the comments. And obviously, Mark's there, and Chris. Uh, he says, um, "Who was my man of the match?" And and that's something that I didn't actually think of during the game because I I believe it was quite a I hope as a team performance, I would probably go so far and say as, you know, I would probably say Fred. You know, I would say Fred he didn't have his best game, but he's been a consistent performer uh, before um, Bruno Fernandez arrived. And uh, sometimes you have to give credit to those that all, don't always stand out. You know, Fernandez had a great game. Um, but I would say Fred, because I think Fred has 
has kind of taken on the responsibility of being kind of the boss in midfield. You know, as much as McTominay's, he, he has taken it on and he had a very difficult start when uh, Jose was the manager and a lot of people said that he wasn't cutting the mustard, you know, as it as as it happens in social media. Um, but no, I believe he's, he's really doing well. and I, I would give him man of the match. And sometimes you have to go for someone who isn't all about the glitz and glamour that just does, does the basic stuff really, really well. So... Uh, for me, probably go with Fred, but I, I know a number of people will probably go with Bruno Fernandes. I would even go and say, this is probably one of the best games I've seen Martial play, actually. You know, and, and not just, not because of the goal, just because of his his approach. He actually did all of the simple things very well. And as a footballer, that's what you want. You just want them to do the simple things very well. If there's a great turn or a fantastic goal, there's a bonus, but just the, the, the simple things. Football is a very, very simple thing. Um, uh, Peter is also, he says, please say hi to my inspirational wife, Eva. We are watching from the Czech Republic. Hello, Eva. How are you? And uh, Peter says you're inspirational. So, you know, I'm taking it from him. He's definitely, you know, he's in charge of today's nomination. So hello, Eva. Hope you've had a very, very good day. And uh, he's made you dinner and he makes you breakfast tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, you know, just make it a whole week. No, make it a month. You know, let's, <laughs> let's say International Women's Day just kind of rotates all the way through to Mothering Sunday and just just kill time, just like that. Um, why not, why not? <laughs> why not, why not, why not? Celebrations, all about celebrations. Um, while we're talking, I'm watching in the sideline, I can see uh, the She Believes Cup where England Lionesses are playing Japan and it looks like they're 1-0 up. Um, which you'll see. I'm not, I'm not sure what kind of feedback will happen from that game. Uh, that manager is under pressure. Talking about under pressure managers, let's talk about Spurs <laughs> and, the oh, Jose, course, yeah. and Jose Mourinho. Um, Spurs, did you, like myself, believe that Spurs would win something this season when Jose went? Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to not to think that. Obviously, Jose Mourinho being being a uh, you know, a, a serial winner. Obviously, you know, he's kind of um, gone off the ball a bit in that case. But I did think that, um, you know, Joe, with Jose Mourinho coming into Spurs, I thought that, I thought he would, you know, kind of, I mean, it it, it, it bring a change to that Spurs team where, you know, that they, they haven't had a manager who's had that sort of pedigree before. And I, I thought it was going to improve a lot of the Spurs players. And yeah, I thought, you know, they, they would have a chance of winning something. Um, obviously, he didn't come in at the start of the season. And I think if he did, um, you know, have the summer transfer window to maybe bring in a few more players. And if, if he was backed, you know, really, really kind of strongly in that transfer window, then, you know, we may we may be seeing different results right now. But obviously, you know, we'll, we'll never know. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, with, with Jose Mourinho as manager, you always think that, you know he's he's got he has he has a you know he has footballing knowledge like like no one else and you know what he's done at other clubs I mean even when he came to Manchester United in the first season yes obviously he was able to bring in Ibrahimovic, Mkhitaryan, and Pogba to the team um, you know we did win two trophies with a team that turned out to not be not be that great so yeah I, I did think that there was a chance that he could potentially win a trophy with Spurs um, I thought that um, you know they would be pushing a bit more than they are for for the top four spot, although they are still, um, you know, somewhat in the, in the running for it. 
Um, so, I mean, you never know by the end of the season. I think he has been quite unlucky with injuries, obviously, with Kyung uh, Min Son and Harry Kane. I think if they were both fit and firing, um, we'd be saying something different. But, yeah, with, with Jose Mourinho um, coming coming to a team like Spurs, I thought they had some they have some decent players. They have some players who, um, you know, you could tell they have um, a bit of potential. And I think someone like Jose Mourinho and the coaching staff he had around them has the ability to you know, maybe, you know, give them, you know, give them more help. And as long as he was, you know, blooding them and playing them in, in games, they would, they would improve. Um, but obviously it hasn't really gone too much to plan for Josie Maria at the moment. But I think next season, I, I, I do have a feeling we'll see a bit of a, a bit of a difference from this Spurs team, especially, you know, when he gets the players fully fit and when he brings in some more players that he wants, if he does get back to back effectively by the board. You know what, backing is the most important thing and, and what I've noticed and I've listened to a number of Spurs fans talk about Jose uh, destroying everything that Pochettino built and ruining the club. I mean, he's been there five months, not even six months, five months. And when you have a team of players, a group of players that have consistently had the same diet, the same message from the manager for a, a number of games over that period, it's very difficult for you to then go in as a new manager, a new team, uh, with a new set of ideologies, a way of thinking, that for them to kind of buy into that, it takes time. And it, for them to actually buy into it, they need to see the kind of incremental su success steps or steps of success to see that they're going in the right, the right direction. You know, despite losing key players like Harry Kane and Son, you get that. You know, they brought in a new player like Burwine. I like him. He looks really good. Um, there were players there that, that are kind of almost, for me, like beyond their sell-by date. If there were any other club, they would have been moved on. You know, if you had Alderweireld at Manchester City for five years, they would have moved them on. You know, there's already conversation mm. today after the defeat to Manchester United that Pep's going to move on the, the, the defenders, the wing-backs. Uh, Zinchenko is going to go and... Uh, Cancelo's going to go. You're going to get rid of those. He's going to bring in a defender. So with with Jose, he has a very difficult task. This is a Spurs team. They they bought someone in the summer who we'll talk about in a minute. But the previous season, they bought no one at all. You know, and beyond the odds, they get to uh, a Champions League final. How they did it, I have no idea. They don't even know how they did it, and they believe that they would probably win. And because they didn't win, there's been this fallout. There's just been kind of like free fall in Alice in Wonderland down the, 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 the tunnel of despair where they don't actually kind of believe in themselves anymore. There are no leaders. It took them far too long to get rid of Ericsson. He should have gone in the summer because he didn't want to be there. Um, Vertonghen looks like he's at the end of his career because he can't run or cap track back as he, as he once would. Dyer doesn't look the player that he was 18 months ago. Um, they've lost Sissoko, who... If you ask any Spurs player, he's been the best player for the past two seasons because he's literally had to learn again how to play football because they've asked him to do something very specific. He's become vital to that Spurs midfield. And then, and and this is the, the for me the killer one is that Daniel Levy sells their best right back because he had a poor post World Cup season to Atletico Madrid, who are in the Champions League. Mm -hmm. So. When you look at all of those things, and I know that everyone says that Jose is, 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 is terrible and he shouldn't hang players out to dry on this. You know, Jose right now with Spurs and Spurs fans, they're in the same position that Manchester United were 12 months ago. 18, when Pogba arrived, big money fee, 
Everyone said he was going to be the real deal. He's going to do all of this magical stuff because of the fee, you know, as is the, as is the way when you buy players from France. There's just a cost. And only a few of the players from France have come to the Premier League and arrived and delivered in, in abundance. Um, I'm not saying that he won and Dombele, but I don't believe that it was too much for everyone to say, you know, the criticism or the critique or the comments that Jose made about him not delivering in a game where they needed to get three points was harsh. Um, what I find difficult, and this is the thing that really kind of bugs me, it's always former players that say the manager shouldn't do that. When you know, and I know, and everyone else that's watching has watched football, fans will dig out a player regardless of how much they cost or where they come from. If they've had a crap game, they're going to let them know. Whether it's as they did with um, Jesse Lingard, you know, waiting by the coach, or on social mm. media, or on um, any BBC, talk, talk sport, whatever the, the phone-in or, or, or medium, they're going to say something. So when a manager comes out after a game and says something that he said, I want something more from my player, he gets criticised for it. And I just think to myself, why is it that former players who are now pundits have this, the manager shouldn't, but why not? If I can say it, if I can say that the player didn't do enough, but the manager cannot, why, why is that the case? And I know they say you might lose the dressing room. You're a professional. If you're a professional mm, footballer, yeah. that means you take the criticism, you take the direction. If you don't deliver, someone will say in my job, if I don't deliver and my manager says you didn't do well enough, I'm not going to go and throw my, I'll be like thinking, I need to kind of buck my ears up. You know, it's, it's just part and parcel. Mm. I don't understand where this kind of, let's treat them with kid gloves delicacy for people that are getting paid 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 150, 200,000 pounds a week for kicking a ball. They're not brain surgeons. They haven't found a cure for cancer. You know, they're not flying to the moon and we're doing any kind of space exploration or doing anything that's going to save lives. Like, you know, this whole coronavirus, we can talk about that in a minute. They're not doing it. They're just playing football. And if he says you're not doing enough, you're not doing enough. What do you think? Yeah, well, look, I, I think it's a very, very good point because you do see that a lot. You do see, you know, uh, people coming out and saying, you know, as I said, ex-players, uh, people coming out saying, you know, managers. I mean, I think I remember, you know, at Man United, a lot of people, uh, when Jose Mourinho was at Man United, I should say, um, you know, a lot of people were, were criticizing Jose Mourinho for that very thing, you know, set, you know making comments um, about the performances of, you know, likes of Martial, Rashford, these sort of players, uh, Pogba as well. Um, and yeah, as you said, the professionals, in the end of the day, um, when you're getting paid that amount of money, obviously, you know, there, there is a line about, you know, how much, you know, there is a line, of course, between, you know, criticism and, as a, and, and abuse. But what Jose Mourinho said was no way abusing uh, Ndombele. He was, he was making a comment about his performance. And as you said, professionals, um, you know, in sport, you know, need to be able to take the fact that, you know, in some games they're not going to play their best and they're going to be called out for it. You can't, you know, expect to be, you know, paid as much as they are for doing what they are um, and have so many fans investing in what they're doing because, you know, without the fans being there, there's no way they'll be able to be paid the sort of money they're being paid and live the lifestyle they're sort of living um, without being called out. And ultimately, you know, that is the life of a professional footballer, I think, um, you know, that's kind of, you know, what, what you sign up for. And 
I think especially when it's coming from your manager, someone who, you know, all right, Jose Mourinho didn't bring Ndombele into the club, but, you know, your manager is someone who watches you week in, week out, watches you in training all the time, and is, is there to kind of help you. He's not there just to kind of, you know, almost make fun of you or whatever. And, you know, he's not there as well to be, to be you know, you know, to be really nice to you, to be, to be you know, your, your friend. He's there to, to be your coach and, and improve you. And sometimes, um, you know, the way that a manager can help to improve you is by telling you that you're not performing as well as you could be um, and then going from there. Because there's, there's no way you're going to get better as a player if you perform badly and you know no one says anything about it. The only way you're going to get better as a player is if you see your weaknesses and see your poor performances and then look at how to change it. So, yeah, I think it's a good point, actually, that you made because a lot of, you do see a lot of people um, you know, coming out and saying that managers you know, need to be careful about criticising players. But I think there is, there's a, you can't really let players you know, get away with poor performances, especially if they're not delivering, not just on one occasion, but on you know, frequent occasions. And I think, you know, sometimes, you know, players need to realise that to get better, you have to realise, you know, where your faults lie. Mm. You know, we spent the, the best part of the start of this pod um, talking about who we thought played well. Yeah, we named certain players, mm. we listed them, we said how well they played. Um, it's okay to do that. But if you say to a player that they didn't play well, like Edison made mistakes for Manchester City, didn't have a great game, you know, you've got to say it. You know, it was visible. People saw mm, it in the game it. live. People saw it on TV. They probably recorded it. It'll be on Match of the Day and, and, and Sky Sports and all of those other mediums, NBC, SN, all of those platforms will have this and, re, and re-show it and say the keeper made a mistake. They're not, ne- they're not necessarily saying his name, but they're going to say the Manchester City keeper. You can Google his name. You'll find out. I, I thought that Jose Mourinho's um, re- um, response post-match was a reflective response in terms of the players that he had on the pitch. You know, he didn't ask Ndombele to play as a holding midfielder. He had a 19-year-old playing in that position. He gave Ndombele the freedom of the park to say, go forward and express yourself. And against the Burnley team, who everyone knows that Burnley put a shift in. So you have to be there. You have to be there mentally. You have to be there physically. He was substituted. And, uh, you know, and this is the kind of thing I look back and I think, you know, uh, the manager's made a call. He's tried to change it from the team that lost in the FA Cup, you know, going out to penalties against Norwich because they didn't take their chances. And he's put in a midfielder who said, right, this is the kind of game I need you to step up. And he hasn't stepped up. So, you know, a 19-year-old is going to go in and learn. And obviously, he's going to take the criticism on the chin and say, I need to do better, you know. And then you've got a 60 million or 58 million player who's come in and you get, you, you know, you don't even get 60 minutes out of him. And the manager says you need to do better and everyone turns on Jose. For me, there is a, an agenda for, against Jose. Jose is the, uh, the single equivalent. He's the, he's the one-man version of Manchester United. His name sells papers. His name sells mm. stories. It drives stories. And uh, the Premier League need Jose to be around because they want him to be the boogeyman. And his, his, his presence takes away the heat from every other manager that isn't doing very well. That's what it does, because it then gives everyone else, it goes, oh, he's the bad guy. Let's look at him. You know, his record stands for itself. And, you know, I hope that Daniel Levy, you know, if he doesn't back him, then he gets rid of him quickly because that's the manager he brought in. But in terms of Spurs, they are are the masters of their own doom. 
they can't defend, they're low on confidence, they look like a bunch of strangers going forward and um, no one seems in that team wants to actually take hold of the game. Um, apart from Lasalso, who for me at 23, again, it is like a, as a top quality midfield player that Spurs have got there. He's, and um, yeah, you know, they've got a player that can run with the ball and move the ball forward very, very quickly and, uh, and, and take the game by the scruff of the neck, which is what he expected Ndombele to do and he didn't do. So as far as I'm concerned, you look and you listen to these comments and you just think there is a, apart from the agenda, which everyone uses so freely, it's very clear. You know, you need Jose in your life because you've got too much either hate or love. And it's probably love, but you can't say it, so you dislike him. Um, in terms of... we've Things are moving very, very quickly. In terms of all of the other results, obviously Palace beat Watford. Uh, you know, considering Watford's massive win previous week against Liverpool, they go, they go and lose to their London rivals, which kind of just defeats the object for them because they're still in trouble. Um... Uh, Liverpool, who looked like a team low on confidence with the defeats that they had kind of wrapped up against them, get the win. And I think once the second goal went in, you could see their players started to move around a little bit more freely. They had more energy. And when you're low on confidence, you don't move as well physically and your brain doesn't move as well. You know, you kind of think, oh, I'm, I'm too cautious. I'm over complicating things. And uh, they definitely... Uh, looked like they, they were back in the swing of things. I mean, let's just be frank. Liverpool are going to win the league, right? Yeah, yeah. I was hoping it wouldn't bring that up, Rodney, to be honest. I thought I've just, just got over that. Just 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 starting to get over it, you know, already. Just over the thought of Liverpool getting, winning the league. But no, yeah, it's, it, they, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. Um, and yeah, I, fair play to them. I mean, they've... They've absolutely, they've absolutely dominated the league. They've, they fully deserve it. And um, yeah, you can't say much more than that, really. It's, I mean, that quite literally, the, the, the table speaks for itself. Um, you know, obviously, only two more games to, to win the league, two more wins. Um, and you know, it's, it's a testament to, to the project. Obviously, you know, Jurgen Klopp. We saw last season, especially, to push City all that way. We knew that this season, you know, they're going to be coming back with a vengeance, especially how, you know, how close they were to winning that title this season, uh, last season. Um, and yeah, they they played they played wonderfully well. It has to be said. Um, I think was it like 22 or 23 home wins in a row, which mm. is just a, a ridiculous stat, really. Um, and yeah, they fully deserve it. They've they have, you know, the best squad on paper, the best starting eleven on paper, I'd say. Um, and I mean, even though in, the, in they have having, been having a bit of a blip as of late, of course, um, you know, losing to Watford and when that first goal went in against Bournemouth, I think you know a lot of people um, were, were thinking maybe Liverpool could uh, you know could start shaking a bit towards the end of the season. But obviously, they got back into the game as they usually do at Anfield. Um, and once they get that equaliser, they usually um, nine times out of ten they go on and uh, you know they go on and win the game and. Yeah, I mean, they, they fully deserve that their, their, their Premier League title. And, um, you know, as a Man United fan, you know, it hurts me to say, but, you know, they, they're, they're a quality side and, you know, they, they fully deserve it. And I think we'll probably see Liverpool being up here, especially if, they, if they're able to keep, um, you know, this squad close together for, for the next five, five, ten years. I think we'll see 
uh, a bit of a Liverpool dominance unless, you know, the likes of Man City can spend more or, you know, pretend, I, mean, I don't think Manchester United will be, will be challenging, you know, challenging this for the title next season. Um, and apart from Man City, I think it's going to be very difficult for any side to make that jump. So um, I think, you know, Liverpool are going to win it this year and I think um, we'll probably see Liverpool winning it next year as well. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's obviously a, uh, a great thought to think about. But, um, <laughs> look, yeah, they're, they're, a, they're a fantastic side. Yeah. You know what? Um, well, I'm, I'm conscious of time. We're rattling through things. There's, there's something that we've been covering or I've covered in the last couple of weeks. And it's uh, a something, a very special thing that I call it. And it's called VAR Killed the Ref. Now, VAR. I thought VAR got it right this weekend. When I mean VAR, I mean the actual individuals controlling VAR. There were some controversial, almost controversial decisions and they got it right. And the referees got it right. You know, they called it. But in today, there were two two incidents I thought, mm, maybe they didn't. Uh, I've been asked to comment on, on the penalty with Fred, the, t the challenge. Um, did you think it was a penalty? Karen? It's, it's an interesting one, to be honest, because I think, I think you know, there is contact. I definitely think it wasn't a dive, but it's hard to know whether there was enough contact to go down. However, you think that, um, you know, most people that, that uh, you know, when they go down the box, they, they, they usually, you know, uh, exaggerate the contact anyway. So it, it was a very, very, t I think, I think if the referee had given a penalty on the field, I don't think the decision would have been overturned. I think that's that's the only way I can really describe what what I think about it. Yeah, I I, I thought the referee called it right. Gary Neville in time at that moment uh, said that he thought it was definitely a penalty because he didn't like that the second angle they showed, which said that there wasn't contact. So he asked for it to be seen from the initial angle and goes, "Oh, there's contact." Um, it was he did go down really softly. For me, it wasn't a penalty because I think some of the penalties that that, that are given are a bit soft and considering the robust tap challenges that were taking place in the middle third of the pitch that could never have been a penalty because some of the challenges were you know it was a derby and it was free-flowing in terms of the yellow card if he thought it was a dive he, he definitely deserved to be sent off in terms of the goal that was disallowed VAR got that wrong or should I say the personnel because he was onside he was onside and so Manchester City will probably, you know, feel aggrieved uh, from that point of view that the goal didn't stand. But, uh, you know, I can't work out what's happening week by week with the individuals that are controlling VAR. They change the rule. I believe they've had so much, um, so many insults, so many complaints, so many individuals focus on what they're not getting right. They're trying to bring things back down to a level playing field and using common sense and actually giving control back to the referee on the field, which they should have done in the first place. Uh, but what those individuals at Stockley Park or Stokely Park have tried to do, they've promoted themselves as almost, you know, men within the shadows of, of, of the footballing world and, and want to create a, a dominion where they're, they're in control of things and they become a laughing stock. So it has to be the it has to be the referee on the pitch that deals with with the the incidents and issues of the game, and 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 so it should be because that's what he's there for. Um, we're moving rapid. So many things. This this is another thing that I was going to ask you. Apart from VAR, coronavirus. Now this is a bit. You think you're probably thinking, what are you talking about? Why? <laughs> well, here's the here's the deal, Kim. Here's the deal. We've seen panic or some panic. 
and people talking about you know not going to certain places. Um, crowd safety is an issue now. They're saying that um, mm. fans over seventy should probably shouldn't go to games, or they're going to have a meeting uh, in the week. Um, some countries are having games played behind closed doors because of crowds gathering, but in this country, you know, despite the panic, despite the mad rush on toilet paper and cream crackers, uh, they're not stopping people from gathering in pubs. They're not stopping people from going to rugby. They're not stopping people from going mm. to crofts in Birmingham. They're not stopping people from going to football in large numbers. They're not stopping people from getting on the tube, the train or the tram or the bus. They're not stopping them getting on the ferry. They're not stopping them getting on the plane. I don't get it. You know, so if they do ask mm. football teams, clubs across this fantastic country in the Premier League and leagues below, to say we want you to close your doors to um, the fans and you play the fixtures without any fans do you think that they will then offer the football games to the nation on a free to air basis and not a subscription basis that's that's a point I've not thought about but I mean I think in an ideal world that would be that would be a perfect scenario I think I don't see it happening just because of the the potential you know loss for for the for the likes of Sky Sports and things like that 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 have bought the rights uh, for 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 the Premier League and things like that. Obviously, you know it'd be great to see these sort of sporting events on on free to air television if that does happen. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting really to 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 you know to look at how you know the the Premier League and football and and events in general in this country is. Uh, reacted to the coronavirus compared to uh, you know countries like Italy, um, and I think it's is isn't it's weird because even if you look at you know uh, in football wise, obviously they've stopped the handshakes at the start of the game, but you then have um, you know players you know grappling in the box for 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 you know in corners and things like that, and they're you know they're still kind of you know hugging and things like that, and you just think like is is the hand is stopping the handshake to the start really necessary if all of that sort of thing is going to still happen. Of course, as you said, you know, all the fans still congregating at the football and the rugby and things like that. Um, so yeah, it's a very, very interesting response, really. I'm not sure how it's going to develop um, in the next in the next few weeks. It's going to be interesting. Uh, but I think in terms of your question, yeah, um, I, I personally think it, it, it'll be unlikely. I think, I think that it, it's a good suggestion. I think in an ideal world, it would happen. Um, but I just... I, I have my doubts about, you know, obviously the people that have already kind of bought the rights wanting to kind of, you know, give up that sort of audience to, to free-to-air TV. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see how they tackle it. But, um, yeah, I, I, as I said, it would be an ideal response because obviously, you know, not not proportionally, not a lot of people have, have Sky Sports. Most people have free-to-air TV if they do watch television. So, you know, it reach a wider audience, of course. Um, you know, uh, for for football and sport in general, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they tackle that. It, for me, it would be probably the best thing to do. And if they're worried about you know the sound, they can always pump in crowd noises like they usually do when they want to drown out the swearing and the foul language that fans usually have. You know, there's, there's a, they have a there's a sound booth somewhere where they've got a, a catalogue of fans cheering something, whether it's Wimbledon, of course, yeah, of course. <laughs> or, you know, so it's just pump, just 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 pump it into the stadium so that, to give the the um, 
the player something to kind of kind of hold on to if they do play. But it, for me, it was a, a, an interesting kind of thought to have that with this whole kind of uh, potential virus that's uh, possibly going to get worse, but hopefully it doesn't. And um, how the sporting world deals with it. And uh, at the moment, despite all of the conversations elsewhere, it seems that the sporting world is is holding back everyone by saying we need to make as much money as we possibly can because before you mm -hmm. say, you know, we've got to close, we've got to close the stadium. Um, because if they're asking players not to do handshakes, then what does that mean for everyone else who's probably, you know, had a couple of beers and jumping around in the crowd and uh, celebrating a goal, you know, go figure. Exactly. Go figure. Um, we're moving to that to that really difficult period of time. It's called almost the end. Uh, it's it's you know what it's it's it has gone so quickly. I've hardly covered half of the things that I want to to cover. Now, before we go, we're going to talk a little bit about the top ten, top ten footballers. Um, and I know that if I asked you this off the top of your head to say, could you name them? You'd probably struggle. Uh, so I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I have an article, you can hear the paper rustling here, uh, which was from the, the newspaper towards the end of 2019. And it has the top 10 uh, footballers as they were at that time or that point. Obviously, number one is Messi. Right. So no, no, no kind of arguments there. Number two was Virgil van Dijk, Sadio Mane, three, Ronaldo, four, Mo Salah, five. Kylian Mbappe, six. Uh, Lewandowski, seven. Raheem Sterling, eight. Uh, Alisson, goalkeeper, nine. And Frankie de Jong, ten. Now, you can have a top ten, and these names are all fantastic, and some may question Raheem Sterling at the moment because of his form. Does he really get in there? The others, people might kind of be upset about, but, you know, really and truthfully, you can't really argue about them. The one person whose name isn't there, and I, you know, I've kept the article and I thought I'd come back to this, is the one player that everyone keeps talking about from a Manchester United point of view has been world class. And he's been missing. And his mm -hmm. name's Paul Pogba. And now, mm. if you're not making the top 10 um, list of footballers towards the end of 2019, um, even though the 2018-19 was your best season, then you're falling way off the radar. You're not in contention. And this is going to be a year where he's not played much football. Um, is he really in that world-class top 10 bracket? Can we kind of let that go now and say goodbye? Yeah, well, I mean, that exactly, I just, that's, that, that's the thing. I think you see a lot of people saying he's, he's world-class. Obviously, he's been injured for a while. But yeah, obviously, that top 10, you can't really argue too much about about them and yeah, Pogba himself. It, it's 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 one he's one of those players who's you know he's an on on his day player where everyone says on his day you know this this player's the the the, the world class you know on his day this yeah. player this and if a player is only good on his day as as Bruce say then can they realistically be world class because for me uh, I I think consistency. Is you know if you look at all those players in those lists um, in 2019, they've been consistently performing to a very very high standard, and Pogba has performed well to a high standard in certain games and in certain periods. But I don't think you can really be classed as world class 
unless you perform at a high standard for for a sustained long period of time. And I don't think Paul Pogba has done that. And I think I'm, I'm not saying he's a bad player at all. I think he's got quality, but I just think since he's come to Manchester United, watching Paul Pogba in some ways has been frustrating because you can see the qualities there. It's just that he doesn't show it often enough. And for me, that makes him uh, a very, very good player. But I wouldn't say he's a world-class player. If he was to come back into the team, and I, I don't think he'll play very many more games for Manchester United, but if he does come back into into the team or even goes off to Real Madrid and and, and or wherever he's going to go, whoever's going to buy him, um, which is another debate in itself, and, and does start to play you know, very, very well, then he does start to get towards that world-class bracket. But I think as of right now, I personally wouldn't say he's world class. No. Um, do you know something? I don't even need to add anything to that because he really isn't in my bracket in terms of world class. The, the conversation has moved on, really. Mm. You know, he's a, a, a for me a non-entity, and I know people will say that's quite rude, uh, but uh, it's all about the here and now. And if you're not present and you're not part of the team in, in any capacity, uh, you need to. You need to go uh, and uh, find your fortune elsewhere. Um, I doubt very much Manchester United can do a a you know Paul Pogba's best bits at Manchester and, and expect it to sell. Uh, no, <laughs> you, know, you might find it in a charity shop, but it won't. It won't. It won't shift. You know, retailers be oh. like, we'll have to give this away with like a. Cadbury's cream egg or something. It's just not, <laughs> it's just it's just not going to happen. Um, you know, normally before I uh, I, I go, Kieran, you, you'll probably want to, to hear this. Uh, I usually do something, and it's uh, it's 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 really it's really quite a little sad thing I do. But it's a uh, I'm reading an extract from a book, and it's it's just this. It's called the story of Brexit, and um, I keep. I keep doing it because I I want to make everyone everyone laugh and I read from it yeah. and it's just a, a little a little book there and I'll read you a page so that you'll have something and I've got so far a lot of arguments for staying in Europe were not very convincing some people called it project fear but sometimes you have to take a risk for good things to happen and it says leaving was the will of the people signs Angelica's father he voted to leave Angelica voted to remain, but she feels the same way. It is the will of the people, she sighs. They stare at the ducks. They like the ducks. Ducks are better than people. And that's and that's the kind of riveting book that you can get. <laughs> this is a, 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 a ladybird book, and it's called The Story of Brexit in all good bookshops. And it is absolutely fantastic. I, I bought it uh, for Chris. There it is. It's the story. And, it, and it's a... And it's come to pass as to what's happening in the world of <laughs> of politics. Um, Kieran, it's been great having you on. I can't believe this time has literally flown. We have to do know, this again. It's almost, we need to get the gang back. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. The gang, get the gang back and uh, do a, a full-on review of all things. Um, before you go, where can people find you, Kieran, and on social media and, and uh, YouTube? Yeah, so obviously, um, 
Yeah, I, I run a Man United channel, Red Devil Weekly, just do match previews, match reviews, as you said. And uh, yeah, on Twitter, I'm just at Red Devil Weekly as well. So yeah, just just the same Red Devil Weekly, all all one word, whatever. But yeah, yeah, really, really great. Um, you know, really great for having me on. And uh, as I said, I'm always down to do it again. Thank you very much for having me. No worries, my friend. It's been good. And uh, if you guys can. Uh... Uh, go and give this guy a follow, please do. He's always got good things to say. I'm going to say thank you to everyone who is in the chat to uh, for this podcast and that it was good. I am the Sunday Football Manager. Uh, Karen was my assistant manager for this uh, little outing. I'm going to say thanks to everyone. Mark, Peter, Rasmus, I saw you there in the house. Uh, and and, uh, and uh, Eva, uh, happy International Women's Day. And obviously I'm going to give a shout out to my friend Jessica who's probably busy, busying herself doing something in the far, far off way of Canada. Happy International <laughs> Women's Day to everyone else. And um, and I hope you've had a, a fantastic day. Uh, and that's it from me. This is uh, On and Off the Pitch, a sporting podcast. I'm Rodney Cyrus. That guy was Kieran. And we are out until next time. Please stay safe and I'll see you guys soon. Bye for now. <laughs>